Blog Talk Radio. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you would take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations. You're now members of the 114th. Uh, thank you very much, Madam Chair. I rise in strong support of the Amash Amendment, and I do so as the person who is the principal author of the Patriot Act in 2001, who got that law through quickly after 9-11, and who supported and managed the 2006 reauthorization. Let me make this perfectly clear that unlike what we've heard from speakers on the other side of this issue, this amendment does not stop the collection of data under Section 215 to people who are subject to an investigation of an authorized terrorist plot. What it does do is prevent the collection of people who are not subject to an investigation. Now, relevance is required in any type of a grand jury subpoena or a criminal uh, a collection of data for a criminal trial. This goes far beyond that and what the NSA is doing. The time has come to stop it, and the way we stop it is to approve this amendment. Thank you very much, Robert, and thanks to all of you for coming. Uh, I want to thank EEI for hosting this event on such an important and timely topic, criminal justice reform. In recent months, we have seen a number of members of Congress and organizations from across the political spectrum come together and recognize that our judicial system is flawed. Too many of our prisons are clogged with nonviolent offenders who are serving excessively lengthy sentences. Facilities are well beyond capacity and costing taxpayers $80 billion a year. Meanwhile, Congress continues to steadily increase the size and scope of the federal criminal code. This does our country a great disservice. Beginning in the spring of 2013, I chaired the House Judiciary Committee's Over-Criminalization Task Force. Over the course of a year and a half, the task force thoroughly examined issues relating to the scope of mass incarceration, the dramatic growth of the federal criminal code, and evidence-based programs for reform. We heard from groups and organizations as diverse as the Families Against Mandatory Minimums, Right on Crime, Heritage Foundation, and the ACLU. An bunch of any. Uh, and all of them recognized the need to respond to reduce the size and cost of federal corrections policy. Over the past three decades, America's federal prison population has more than quadrupled. Prison spending has increased by 595%, a staggering figure that is both irresponsible and unsustainable. And yet this increased spending has not yielded results. More than 40% of released offenders return to prison within three years of release, that in some states, recidivism rates are closer to 60%. Several studies have found that at a certain point, high incarceration rates become ineffective, 
and actually cause the crime rate to go up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to AJC Radio, and this is Thursday night spotlight on Capitol Hill, where we are shining the light on Congressman James Sensenbrenner Jr. And I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're familiar with the jungle, there are a couple of people that, uh, not people rather, but uh, folks in the jungle that are warriors, if you will, and uh, I'll tell you right now, Congressman Sensenbrenner is one of those warriors. They call him the bulldog in Congress. And, and he's talking about his stance on the Constitution, criminal justice reform, everything you can think of. Ladies and gentlemen, this is probably one of the biggest shows that we've had. And we're talking about a legend. And beyond that, hang on to your seats. AJC Radio ascends on the station, excuse me, on the nation's step of the Capitol. Hang on, we're going to Washington, D.C. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Charlisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and William Williams. And tonight, as we said, uh, spotlight Lisa on Capitol Hill. And I'm going to tell you, the temperature keeps on rising, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And Cliff, good evening to you. And William, how are you folks doing? Doing all right. How are doing you doing great. tonight? All right. And uh, I'll tell you what, folks, uh, ladies, ladies and gentlemen of America, uh, if you're uh, wondering what is on the menu tonight, I'll tell you, it's going to be a humdinger tonight, and I, I'll call it a seven, eight, nine, ten-course meal when we talk about the gent, the man, the legend, the uh, – Lisa, what other adjectives would you give Congressman Simpson-Brenner? Uh, I mean, a no-nonsense uh, leader that you need on, on Capitol Hill in Washington. What what adjectives do we have tonight? That's a good question. William, what do you think? Well, I think they say in the South this would be a this would be called a big dog right here. He's uh he's a heavyweight hitter for sure. Oh without question. Cliff, your thoughts, you look a little uh man, what can I say? And uh Cliff, what your thoughts on this on this congressman? Well, uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner is, uh, you know, he's a legend in in Congress. He's the one who authored the Patriot Act bill and all those things. So when you look at him, you look at his career, you look at his background, you just look at his life. He is a no-nonsense, I'm-going-to-get-it-done congressman, and uh, that's why he is highlighted here on Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Well, without question, and the founder of the Patriot Act, and uh, we're going to dig into that. I'll tell you what, for him to be the sponsor and the uh, I guess the uh, person that introduced the Patriot Act uh, to Congress, uh, you'd have to understand that uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner is concerned, very concerned, uh, about the safety of the, of the United States and the citizens and, and all of us here that, that share a part of this country. And I'll tell you right now, folks, uh, this uh, congressman has been in office since 1979 and has been reelected every, every time. To, to date, uh, that speaks volumes. Yes, it does. I it's mean, a long time. and you know what I found, and I don't want to get too far ahead, uh, but I'll tell you what, um, he is bipartisan. He does. He works with members of Congress to, uh, to to facilitate things, to bring about change. And Lisa, what I'm finding with him, he's not. He's a no nonsense person. He is about action. He is about 
doing what is, is most important to the United States of America and the American people. He is about true leadership. Yeah, he, he demands about getting it done. He's out there getting it done. He's not talking about it. He's out doing what needs to be done. And regardless of, of, of where you stand on the aisle, you know, I saw, uh, and you'll hear it a little bit later, uh, him working on a, on a bill with uh, Congressman uh, 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 Scott. Yeah, uh, and Bobby Scott. Bobby Scott. And, man, was very cordial, respectful. And both of them were respectful to, respectful to each other. Yes. That's how you get things done in Washington, D.C. Yep, they have to come together to get things accomplished. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, I am I am overwhelmed tonight. Folks, it is the end of summer. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, fall has arrived. And if you happen to be in the backyard, you know, maybe a little down because the summer has ended. Well, I'll tell you right now, the summer is just kicking off at AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill. And tonight, we will shine the light on Congressman James Sensenbrenner. You do not want to miss it. If you're out back raking the leaves and uh, throwing a stick to old uh, Duke back there, uh, anywhere you are in the country, or maybe finishing up that last summer barbecue on the first day of fall, or the second day, excuse me, uh, why don't you come on in and join us tonight as we get ready to take a trip to America's, to America's cap- uh, to the nation's capital, excuse me, a little tongue tied tonight, but uh, we're going to get it going. We, I'm a little excited. And uh, I guarantee you, five-hour energy has nothing to do with it. We're talking about a legend and a man that is shaking the foundation of the United States with his uh, uh, his positions, with his leadership, with with his fight, his uh, his passion. Uh, again, you know, I was taught adjectives. I've, I've run out, but I guarantee you, the, the dictionary doesn't hold the number of adjectives that we can speak in regards to Congressman uh, Sensenbrenner. We're going to get into that momentarily. Lisa, the disclaimer, please. We just want to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide any legal advice. You want to contact your own personal legal advisor for your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause. And as always, thank you for taking time and tuning to, I'm sorry, choosing to tune in and spend some time with us this evening. And thank you for that, Lisa. And uh, uh, I tell you, uh, it's going to be, this is going to be a good one. I can tell you right now. We're excited. About all the things, Lisa, Cliff, uh, upon our last trip to the nation's capital, uh, a lot of things going on in Washington right now, and uh, a lot of things are being pressed. And one thing at the top of the agenda is criminal justice reform, and that is to change the way uh, we look at our criminal justice system. Uh, we are grateful tonight, and, and a, a very special thank you to the ladies, Lisa, uh, the other the, uh, the Tuesday night show that join us, the, the, the women, uh, the mothers of, of the slain, uh, that have been in the headlines. Uh, uh, we, we thank you again for taking your time with us tonight, and uh, we appreciate that. And, uh, Lisa, we met some pretty good people that, out there in Washington, D.C. Yes, uh, we did. And a young lady by the name of Kylie at the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, I'll tell you right now, Lisa, your thoughts on Kylie? Well, Kylie was a lifesaver. Kylie went be above and beyond to make sure we had what we needed. And when, other, when everybody else in the hotel told us we couldn't have it, she made sure we had it. She took care of everything that we needed. She was just... She, just, she was just about over the top. Well, I found out that we are advocates for justice. I don't care where we set our feet. Uh, and I began to tell her about AJC, a just cause, and what brings us to Washington. She asked the question, what brings you here? And uh, as we begin to get into justice and fighting injustices and things like that, uh, her her staff were motivated. And she said to me, for you to come back, I told her about my wrongful conviction and what drives me and uh, the RP6 and all the wrongdoings that's happened in this justice system. Uh, she was intrigued that we are fighting, and it's amazing to me that people are so 
uh, they want to give a compliment for you fighting. It tells me that not enough people are fighting. Yeah, that's uh, right. And she was very, very moved and very, very impressed with that. And uh, a special, again, a, a special thanks to Kylie. And uh, Kylie, tell everybody at the Ritz Carlton, the high dignitaries out there that may come through, senators, congressmen, uh, the president, if he happens to stop by the Ritz Carlton, pass on AJC Radio and a just cause that we fight for justice, bringing the message of justice all around the world. And uh, man, this is exciting. I still have yet to see the American flag posted here in the studio uh, for Spotlight <laughs> on Capitol Hill. Uh, but we're patriotic tonight, and we're excited about what's going on. And uh, us and all the AJC team, we're ready to take off. And, and I hope you're ready. Buckle your seats in, folks. And here in about 15 minutes, we, we actually had, a, had the opportunity, Lisa, to interview Congressman Sensenbrenner. Yes. And uh, what a good interview that was. We're going to bring that to you. Uh, and, man... Things are happening at AJC Radio and a just cause. So, uh, Lisa, we got some current news uh, that we're going to discuss. Uh, Cliff, I don't know if you read the story or saw it as of yet. Uh, talks about uh, the United States uh, official told uh, CNN Thursday that Russian fighter jets turned off their transponders as they flew into Syria in an apparent attempt to avoid detection. And uh, there's been some questions out there in regards to Russia, what their intentions are. It goes further to say uh, that with no ISIS fighters in the area, the move raises serious questions about the Russians' intentions with the military buildup that's going on. And, William, I'm going to defer to you on this here momentarily, uh, but with which the U.S. has questioned the purpose of watch and, uh, aware, with watch and wariness. Uh, you know, uh, William, we're living in a time, man, that everything that's happening, everything that goes on is being questioned because I believe it's the vulnerability uh, that America sets in uh, today. Your thoughts on that? Yes, I think so. I think, um, you know, we've had for many years questions the role of Syria, questions the role of their supporting of Iran, of Iraq, so forth and so on. So to look at this and say, you know, what were what were the actual actions here? What was the what were the Russian fighters actually looking to do to enter Syria? It's um, I tell you, it's uh, it's something that really um, raises your eyebrow. But, you know, it goes back to what you said, Lamont. We, right now, our country is not any better. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We're still feeling it. And so this is not paranoia. It's just reflective of we're not any better. We're not any more secure. No, without question. And these are one of those things that, uh, you know, it keeps America uh, on its edge, uh, wondering what is the next move. When you're dealing with a country like Russia, make no mistake about it, you're talking about a superpower. Uh, I'll tell you right now that if they are trying, see, there's a reason and there's a purpose for why they wanted to go undetected. Uh, what is that about? Cliff, your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, uh, I think last week, maybe almost two weeks ago, they made the, you know, they let everybody know, look, we're we're going after ISIS as a country. That's what Russia said. We're going into Syria. We're going to start doing, uh, you know, we're doing flyovers if we have to drop bombs when we find them. We'll drop bombs. But as you said, we still have to be a little bit leery. I mean, they uh, you know, you have to commend them on one hand of saying, hey, they're they're taking the fight to ISIS. They're not waiting for them to do another attack. They're going into Syria to to really press them and keep them locked in. But on the other hand, you know, it is Mother Russia. Well, we don't know. We don't know exactly what they're going to do. So we'll be watching. You don't know. You really don't know. You don't know what's going on over there. And we and we've had seen cases where. You know, uh, a lot of the militants that have joined ISIS came through Syria, came through Turkey, came through the Middle East. And so, 
you, you really don't know what's going on. Well, it, it, it makes a statement that uh, that I talked about. This, but they were wondering why the military buildup what was it? Excuse me. They were wondering why the buildup of the military and why that was happening. But he said the action points to a higher likelihood that the Russian plan is to prop up Syrian President Bashar al-Assad rather than to fight the terror group. So are they going in to support this guy, uh, which raises, again, serious questions, because why are you going in to prop up? Otherwise, again, you, you're trying to go undetected. Why is that? Yes. And if you're going in there to prop up another terrorist group, and again, no ISIS fighters there, it, it doesn't seem like ISIS is too much concerned about Russia. And the question is, are they, is Russia making a move that they will definitely regret? So... You can read more about that. You can go to any of your top news uh, uh, programming online and, and read more about the story where our questions are in regards to Russia. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, William, uh, that's something that America, as we said tonight, as we get ready to spotlight and shine the light on, on Congressman Sensenbrenner, uh, America is concerned. The, the country is concerned about its safety, about its vulnerability. And uh, this is something that has to... Uh, we said it last week, man. There's fear in the hearts of, Amer- of the American people. There are th- uncertainties, if you will, going on in the thought process of the American people. And when you, we, uh, again, Congressman Sensenbrenner uh, is a man that's up there as, a, as an elected official, uh, long term, a legend, uh, whatever you want to call him. But uh, I'll tell you what, I'm more impressed today with Congressman Sensenbrenner than I've ever been. And uh, I think when you begin to ask the tough questions, you remember, uh, Lisa, uh, a week ago uh, with Congressman Rangel on 9-11, he made the point, we have to ask the tough questions. That's right. Congressman Sensenbrenner is causing us to ask those questions. Not only is he asking us to do it, he is asking the tough questions. And I'm telling you, he is not mixing it up. He's not shying away from it. That's what Washington needs. And, uh, folks, I'll tell you what, uh, this is what we're looking at about bringing change to America. And that is why AJC Radio, we say bringing the message of justice, bringing the message of hope around the world. And these, that, that's, that's not always easy because everybody doesn't want to hear it. But in reality, if we don't be a voice, uh, we're going to have some problems along the way. And uh, I, am, I am inspired by Congressman Sensenbrenner, his positions, what he's talking about, what he intends to do, uh, I think is absolutely uh, uh, respectable. Uh, and we need to pay attention to that. Um, we also, I believe, there was a um, the next topic of news here. Uh, there was a tourist uh, uh, bus uh, that collided, uh, and I don't know if you've seen this story. Uh, I believe two people died uh, as a result. Four, I'm sorry, four people were killed, and at least twelve were critically injured when a tour bus and a duck boat tourist vehicle uh, uh, collided Thursday morning in Seattle. Uh, and so we ask that you send your prayers and our condolences. Uh, Lisa goes out to the families of those that have been hurt, uh, those that have died, and then also we our prayers go to those that have been injured. Uh, what a tragedy. Uh, you never know from day to day uh, what could happen, and uh, very important that uh, we, uh, we appreciate the times that we have. So our condolences to the families of those that were lost in that tragedy, uh, and our thoughts are with you here at AJC Radio. Uh, also, uh, last note, uh, the Pope, as you know, was in Washington, D.C., uh, and apparently the first Pope, Cliff, to ever address Congress in the history of the United States, uh, those are one of those things that um, that mean a lot. So 
the Pope uh, actually uh, making a making a statement, making things that uh, that I guess people are really pretty moved with from what I saw today. I uh, saying some things that people want to know about, but uh, that's the current events for today, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Hang on to your seat, grab your American flag. I would tell you to get a cup of lemonade because that's a summer drink. But I'll tell you this: you are safe. It's only two days in the fall. Grab some lemonade and whatever summer uh, delight before fall gets too deep in. Come back with us here on AJC Radio. We're going to the nation's capital, and we will highlight Congressman James Sensenbrenner. I'm telling you, he's a lion and a fighter for the Constitution. We're coming right back at you. Hang in there. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm gonna give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call one 855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. I was 18 and... Sold drugs for money. Didn't want to live on that high. Ran away with drugs in my pocket. Open cops would catch me. No place to go. All I wanted to do was deal drugs, collect that money, and burn. I had no hope for nothing at all. Didn't care for anything or anyone. After doing some time, I was ordered to do probation.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to AJC Radio, to Spotlight on Capitol Hill, where tonight we shine the light on Congressman James Sensenbrenner, Jr., a legend, a man that is making some differences here in the United States as he occupies, I'd say, one of the most important seats, uh, William, in the United States Congress, uh, elected uh, 1979 and has been there ever since. Yes, that's a that's a very long track record, I tell you. And looking at this, this is impressive, very impressive. This man is, I can I can see what you're saying. Definitely, he is a bulldog. He well, is the one that goes at it. Well, we don't want to pull the apple pie out the oven quite yet. No, okay. Uh, okay, let it get a little bit toasty as we get ready for a uh, a nice American tradition. I'm gonna tell you, folks, grab your flags. I'm telling you, get ready because this is getting ready to get very interesting. As uh, as uh, William alluded to, but we, Lisa, we're going to go to that interview. Uh, we're going to go to that interview that we had uh, earlier with Congressman Sensenbrenner. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were all grins and giggles and, and everything else with the congressman. And, uh, you know, the only thing I had with Congressman uh, Sensenbrenner was uh, he's a Green Bay Packer fan. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, we happen to Dallas Cowboys don't too much like the Green Bay Packers. But, uh, Congressman, if you're listening tonight, uh, we salute your team as well and uh, may the best team win. Uh, so we're getting ready to go to this clip. And, uh, folks, hang on. Uh, we're going to come back, and tonight is going to be full of, a, of honoring a man that uh, we definitely need on Capitol Hill. Lisa, you agree? Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and go to the, to the interview with Congressman Sensenbrenner. Hi, Jim Sensenbrenner. Good morning, Congressman Sensenbrenner. How are you today? I'm fine, thanks. What can I do for you? Oh, this is Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart. Hi, um, how are you? Good. Uh, and we wanted to talk to you briefly uh, for our Spotlight on Capitol Hill that we intend to uh, uh, have aired next week. Sure. And we wanted to talk to you, Congressman. I a great deal of respect. Thanks for taking time with us today. Uh, we understand the business of Washington. Um, yeah, and this is a get-out-of-town day, so I'm going to be getting out of town <laughs> back home. <laughs> no, no worries, and uh, we, we won't hold you. We'll definitely respect your time. And, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, sure. We, start, we started this, Congressman, Spotlight on Capitol Hill in regards to shining the light on members of Congress that are doing great things. Uh, you uh, definitely appear to be a patriot and a warrior there on Capitol Hill. Uh, and we'd like to ask, ask you a couple of questions in regards to – uh, what you think is going on in the country right now as far as our nation, our safety, as we remembered 9-11 a week ago, uh, and, and looking at your, your record uh, being an instrument used for uh, the Patriot Act, ways to keep America safe, what, what, is your, what is your thoughts on the condition of the country and our safety right now? <coughs> well, uh, we are safer than we were prior to 9-11, and the fact that uh, there has not been a major domestic terrorist attack since the Boston Marathon bombing, I think shows that a lot of the efforts that uh, the government and individual citizens have made are working. Uh, we have to keep our vigilance up. Uh, definitely, the world is a lot different than during the time of the Cold War, and uh, we now have a lot of individual terrorist threats, the lone wolves as we call them. And what we have to do is to spot them and to uh, isolate them and uh, to indict them uh, before they explode a bomb and kill maybe scores or maybe even thousands of people. Um, so I can't say that we'll ever be completely safe uh, because there's this threat out here. But what I can say uh, since 9-11, with only the exception of the 
Boston Marathon bombing is that it's working. Oh, absolutely. And I'll I'll, I'll tell you this, Congressman. Uh, we have been at least the the temperature in the country uh, with ISIS uh, being the threat that they are. Um, a lot of folks have been uneasy across America in regards to this, the sleeper cells, they call them here in the United States. Uh, and uh, are there is there any current legislation, at least pending legislation, that will address that issue uh, in a, more or less an enhancement, say, of, of, uh, of the Patriot Act or something that deals with the ISIS issue? Of course, they're two separate terrorist groups, but ISIS seems to be a huge threat, and they seem to be getting traction. Your thoughts on that? The FBI has already said that there are sleeper ISIS cells in every one of our 50 states. Um, And uh, the way to uh, find out what they're doing before they do it and kill and maim people uh, is to spot them specifically and to find out who these people are talking to. The USA Freedom Act, which had bipartisan support and which I was the author of, was passed by both houses and signed by President Obama as of the 2nd of June. Beginning in November, uh, the National Security Administration and other law enforcement and intelligence organizations uh, will be looking at people who have a reasonable suspicion of terrorist activity. And then they will go to court, they will get a warrant uh, to find out uh, who they're talking to, uh, what their phone records are, and the contents of those phone records. And then uh, they will be able to talk to uh, two hops beyond the the people who are the targets. Uh, This is a change from the preceding law in the Patriot Act, uh, where the court allowed uh, blanket bulk collection of everybody's phone records. And there are trillions of them that are accumulated every year. Uh, and by targeting uh, those who are in for increased scrutiny, number one, I think that we comply with the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, protection against unreasonable searches and seizures, as well as make the haystack smaller so that we can spot the people who are bad actors and who want to make a terrorist political point uh, against our way of life. So I think that having the targets being much more uh, focused and uh, finding out who these people are talking to uh, is going to make us even safer. That bill is now law, but it will not be fully implemented until the end of November. Okay, I understand that. And good stuff, Lisa, with, when you hear that. Congressman, uh, these are these are reasons why uh, uh, we salute you today. Uh, these steps and these actions that you are involved in uh, shape and mold America, not only today, but uh, the, the America for our children, uh, their children. And, uh, man, this is this is huge in a nation that stands on the brink at times uh, of, of fear and, and things that we've seen, of course, over the last several months. Uh, I do have a question for you, Congressman, in regards to we've seen a lot of in the last several months the police relations and communities, the importance of, of building that, rebuilding that. Uh, with the Eric Gardners, the uh, Michael Brown, situations like that. How far are we? How far have we come, or are we making steps towards legislation uh, in regards to police relations with communities across this country? Given the actions that have happened uh, over the last several months, your thoughts on that? Well, first, we should not nationalize local police forces. Uh, 
Uh, the further away you get control of any government agency from local government and the people who live in communities, uh, the less sensitive and the less responsive it is. Uh, Congressman Bobby Scott of Virginia and I have introduced a bill that will have a major impact on federal criminal justice and prison reform. Uh, we call it the Safe Justice Act, uh, which has a bipartisan co-sponsorship. Uh, what it does is it changes mandatory minimum sentences, uh, reduces the prison population, and a lot of the money we save by locking fewer people up, and the people who would be off on probation would be those where the only victim of the crime they committed was themselves, such as a drug user. Uh, we will be able to put more money into police training. And police training, I think, is very, very important in terms of restoring the confidence of, of many segments of the American public uh, in their local police forces. But I certainly don't think that we should have uh, our police policy being run out of Washington because every community is different. Uh, the way to keep communities safe has to be different uh, from one community to the next. And the best way to do that is to have local elected officials uh, be in charge of the policies that their police forces have. No, absolutely. And uh, I saw here, Congressman, uh, in regards, which I thought was awesome, uh, that you had a role to play in the uh, uh, the Child Abduction Preve Prevention Act some years ago, uh, signed into law in 2003. Uh, everybody's familiar with the Amber Alert system, and uh, it is very commendable that you uh, also uh, had a hand in that. Can you talk about what drove you as far as your passion to get that particular uh, law passed and, and what, what prompted you to do that? Well, the most vulnerable people in our society are kids, and we've had an awful lot of uh, snuff actors uh, kidnapping kids, and usually if the kids are not found very promptly, uh, they end up being murdered, and in some cases the bodies have been dismembered. The Amber Alert system was made permanent by the bill that I sponsored and which President George W. Bush signed in 2003. Uh, Amber Alerts have been very, very successful in alerting communities to the fact that there has been a child abduction. And with the information that is broadcast uh, through the area and sometimes even around the country, uh, people can spot the vehicles that, that the kidnappers are using uh, call 911, and the police can be on those vehicles even if uh, somebody is driving down a freeway. Uh, this is something the government has done that's worked, and uh, the best thing we can do is find out kids who are abducted uh, as quickly as possible before they're physically harmed or even killed and to get them back to their families. Okay, and that's, that's absolutely amazing. I, th and I think you make a good point. Our kids stand uh, the most vulnerable uh, in our society, and to to do that, Congressman uh, Senator Bernie, you would think uh, maybe you should be making a bid for the White House, uh, <laughs> giving you. Oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, you know, the the yeah. thing is, is I like to be more polite in debates, and uh, yeah. I'm a Republican, and I saw that debate uh, the other yeah. night. And you know what I can say is that the people who were polite ended up not getting the good ratings and 
Uh, I can say that probably the best thing I saw in that entire debate was when Governor Christie got up and said, let's act like adults. Sure, sure. No, I, I understand that. I'm just so impressed, Congressman, with your, and again, we, we understand you're on a time schedule. We're not going to exceed that. Just let us know when you have to uh, take off as you get ready to travel, I presume, back home. And Congressman, okay. just, in, just in closing, if you got a, you got a minute or two, we can close out with you? Sure. Okay, and Lisa wanted to ask you a question regarding family. Yes, Congressman, I was just, I wanted to just ask you real briefly what it was that, uh, that made you feel like you wanted to come to Congress and what difference you felt like you could make by taking, uh, getting a political seat and getting into this kind of office and, and doing the job that you do. What was it that, that made you feel like that's what you wanted to do? Well, I think public service is the highest calling that anybody can have. Uh, uh, being chosen by uh, members of your community to represent you in any political office, whether it's Congress or even a local council or school board, uh, is really something that uh, people should be called to do. Uh, we can make a difference uh, uh, in office. And I guess the thing that irritates me the most is people who sit in the bar or in front of television complaining about what goes on in government and that everybody in government is bad. That's not the case at all. And, you know, I keep on saying at some of my town meetings that, uh, unfortunately, the way the national news media works in these areas is that if I were being accused of doing something wrong, there would be 15 television cameras in the back of the room wanting to trip me up. Uh, yeah. There's not been that. Uh, and unfortunately, those who do serve in public office, who keep their noses clean and do their jobs to the best of their ability, uh, really do not get uh, any credit from uh, national news media uh, or from uh, the local news media, aside from maybe a cable TV program or two. Sure. Well, Congressman Sensenbrenner, thank you so much. This is our purpose on Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Uh, this show will air next Thursday, two hours of honoring you, your service. We want to say we thank you for your service to America, and we get the utmost respect for you here at AJC Radio and a just call. Thanks so much. Well, for thank, thank, thank you for the good words, and God bless you. Thank you. You too, sir. Take care. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner. Sensenbrenner. Frank James Sensenbrenner. Man, uh, uh, what a warrior. Absolutely. His his hand is, uh, his fingerprints and footprints are stamped on things that not only affected Wisconsin. The nation. The entire nation for Uh, years and and years. And and protecting children and the Amber Alert, everybody knows about it. It hits your cell phone no matter what you're doing, uh, (laughs) that a kid or a child has gone missing. Uh, We salute you, Congressman Sensenbrenner, and uh, what an outstanding and and, uh, what a a great human being and a leader of justice and and change and public service. I mean, every adjective you want to add, you can add with it, but uh, making a big difference across the USA, Lisa. Absolutely. He's, a, he's, an, he's an icon. He's a, he's a great, great, great representative, and I think he's doing tremendous things. And on that note, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Tonight we shine the light on Congressman Frank James Sensenbrenner out of Wisconsin. And well, I tell you, what a champion for America. We'll be right back. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? 
The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, where tonight we shine the light on Congressman James Sensenbrenner. Now, the interview that you just heard, uh, to me, Lisa, uh, Cliff, William, I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, as we shine the light on this what, what this champion, uh, William, uh, in, you know, I said moments ago that, that Congressman uh, Sensenbrenner shaped his legislation that he's doing is molding America. It is. And yeah. I want to go to one one key point that I think is critical. This Congressman Sensenbrenner is the sponsor of the Amber Alert situation. What Lisa, you, you gave the terminology for what that uh, what that is. What is that? Yeah, it was it's the Child Abduction Prevention Act, and that 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 act went and enhanced the the law that was already in place for the Amber Alert system. I mean, this this man as said, we're going to do something to protect America's children. And I'll tell you what, uh, we're, we're showing here as of August 24th of 2015, Amber Alerts have helped rescue and safely return 772 children. That is 700 parents, 772 parents, sisters, brothers, grandmas, grandpas that thought their child was lost. But Congressman Sensenbrenner said he is the sponsor. This is what he thought to do. As a leader to protect again, not Wisconsin only, and he said, everywhere in the United States. Absolutely. I could be sitting down uh, watching uh, NFL football, and if I get an Amber Alert, my phone is beeping and beeping and beeping. Amber Alert, it's coming on front of the TV. How important, William, as you, as you look at that, how important is it to have leaders in Congress that go to that level? How many lives have been saved as a result? Of Congressman Sensenbrenner. It's, it's amazing. I mean, just this alone, as a father, I can't stress how important it is to have something like this in effect. To go to our, our cell phones, sure. we, get, we get Amber Alerts all the time. And, you know, child missing, child here. And, and it's great. It's absolutely great. I was reading the here, uh, talking about the Amber Alert system. It strengthened the penalties against kidnappers and AIDS law enforcement in protecting the children. And that's what we need. I mean, when my child is outside of my sight, I mean, that's that's when a parent is at risk. And you're talking about 772 families that were impacted. And the one comment that he made as far as, you know, those first hours, the first minutes that that child is missing, that is the time to find that child. And that's what the Amber Alert does. It lets them know that this child 
has not been seen. He has been reported as missing, and it's critical. I mean, those first minutes, minutes if not the first hour, to let the public and the community know that this child, this little boy, this little girl that was walking up and down the street, playing in the neighborhood, is now missing. Parents are distressed, crying, hoping, hoping somebody with a cell phone can say, I saw the car that was in question. I saw the child that looks, you know, fits the description. I mean, that's that's incredible. And uh, because, William, you have a young daughter. And how old is she? She's nine. Now, if you imagine that, you know, like you said, you know, suddenly here's your nine year old daughter out of your sight. At first you think, OK, don't panic. I'm dead. You know, she must have just walked around the corner. You know, if you're at the park, she did the swing set. She may have gone and got a drink of water. And suddenly you realize after, you know, calling out to her a few times that she's nowhere to be found. And and you could just imagine that, you know, an Amber Alert goes out and suddenly you see on your cell phone that, you know, the alert about your daughter that she's spotted in a car with this license plate. And she here's where she's at. The law enforcement is on the way. The helicopters are in the air and parents head to that direction because we already have the perpetrator we have him in custody and we're we have your daughter she's safe and we're ready to return her to you i mean to to try to go over that in your mind and understand how that would feel and then to know that a man such as congressman sensenbrenner that had the common sense, like you said, Lamont, not just for Wisconsin, but for the entire nation. Let's make this nationwide blow up every cell phone that's on because somebody has seen this predator. I mean, well, what type of feeling of, oh, my God, my baby is safe and I'm going to be able to take her home and, and rest well tonight. What must that do to any any of these 772 parents who have gone through that? How must that have affected them? Well, you're talking about it. You're talking about a nightmare. That is every parent's nightmare. Oh, absolutely. At that point where you call out and they're not there. I mean, and and what he said, he said something that was so critical, and I think it's probably the foundation of of his policies and his bills, which he said he talked about the innocence of a child. Mm. Protecting the innocence of a child. And that's, I mean, that's our job instinctively as, as parents, if you're a real parent. You're, you're protecting your child. Oh, absolutely. But to go beyond the walls or the barriers of Wisconsin, by, beyond his district, and say, listen, we need to set forth this in stone for our people, the people of the United States, our country. It's incredible. It's well, incredible. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, and there's a story behind Amber. You wonder what Amber means, and it says that the an Amber Alert or a child abduction emergency is a child abduction alert system. It originated in the United States in 1996 when Amber is officially a backronym for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response, but was named for Amber Hagerman, a nine-year-old abduct a nine-year-old. Uh, a girl in Georgia uh, who was abducted. Uh, that's where it came from, a nine-year-old girl uh, named Amber. And uh, I'll tell you what, you know, Congressman Sensenbrenner, uh, I don't know if I need to give him a halo or give him a ticket to 2016. When somebody is taking unselfish actions, and we say this all the time, Cliff, we say, Lisa, we said it in Washington, uh, every congressman, we are his constituents. 
that proves to be truly so, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes, it that, is. That uh, if, if Congressman Sensibility makes the point, this affects the United States of America. So when we pop in in an office in Washington, uh, are you from the district? Absolutely, the District of the United States of America. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is what we were trying to re- uh, defer to, uh, William and Cliff, uh, Lisa, in regards to this passion. What drives Congressman Sensenbrenner? These are not things or bills that are, uh, there's a little bit over here, a little something here. These are shaping America. The Amber Alert system will be in place until the until the world ends. Absolutely. And 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 even Lamont as we're talking, I'm sitting here reading this and he said he also introduced the Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act. Go ahead and tell us about that. Oh, well, this one is this one's a good one. It says uh this act, which is now law, expands coverage of the National Sex Offender Registry, mandates the collection of DNA from sex offenders and forces states to comply with strict requirements to keep the information of sex offenders current. Now, you can see how these two are married. These right. two bills are absolutely married. We see that now sex offenders have to register. They, We know that, and they, they let us know as parents, hey, you have a registered sex offender in your area. And now, here we, here we have his DNA. We have him registered. We have every... I mean, this right here as a parent, this sure. is... this. This is a is, is a complete package for me because I've got an Amber Alert. If my child is missing, I have registration of sex offenders in my neighborhood. This is, I mean, he is protecting us. He is protecting the family right here. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, folks, if we stop the show right now, uh, you'd have to take out the tissue uh, and uh, have to really feel American and feel proud that uh, the folks in Wisconsin got it right. Uh, many years ago, and I believe I was about 11 years old, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or nine years old maybe. I think I was nine years old when Congressman Sensenbrenner went into office. I'm 46 years old today. Uh, Wisconsin, apparently, they say all good things come out of Wisconsin and they're known for their cheese. But uh, I'll tell you what, Congressman Sensenbrenner, I don't see any other example on this level where the pavement, Lisa, has been laid out. Uh, about his true interest and sincerity for America. It is clear, and, and we're going to get into some of that stuff, uh, and, and that's just, I mean, I don't even know how long this packet is. Uh, this is a book. Uh, I said it with Congressman Rangel and other folks that have been on this program. Lisa, we have come up on some champions and warriors that, that we knew nothing about. Yes, we have. And go ahead. I mean, you don't you, until we start digging and start looking into the lives of these congressmen and these senators. We don't really know all that they're doing and all that they've done over the years that are that is making a drastic effect on everyone's lives in this country. I mean, there are so many things that that he's a part of that I'm I'm referring to Congressman Sensenbrenner that he is a part of that is just changing the a way of life for American citizens all all across the country. Well, you know, we talk about a lot, Lisa Cliff William, on this show is culture. Uh, once culture is implemented in a society, a community, you then begin to run into, especially if the culture, it's kind of like you go out and plant a tree and you don't, you plant it in the wrong soil. Right. Uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner planted this in the right soil because what it does, it, it creates the culture that it starts good from the beginning. Congressman Sensenbrenner's uh, ability to get involved and to start something that many years ago, 
and to say we, he saw something. Is it important, uh, William, that these members in con- there's got to be some vision there. There has to be. It has, it has to, to be. But but even as as Lisa was talking and you were talking, there's there's a as a a point there that uh, in the interview that he said, you know, this is something you have to be called to do. You have to have a passion and understand that you are there to represent your people, and this is not your personal interest. And I think so many times the the politicians that we see, they're playing politics. They're playing politics. And this guy has sit here in these bills sure. and said, you know what? I'm looking at families and protecting sure. our people. And so, I mean, there's there's no political, you know, playing the politics. So I, you know, so I think I think that's that's critical to understand. It, he understands this was something he was called to do. Well, check it out, folks, ladies and gentlemen. May not be the proper English or the proper phrase, but I will tell you what, I'm feeling pretty American again right now. And I'll tell you what, let's go a little bit about where Congressman Sensenbrenner, excuse me, Jr. comes from. Says uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner was born in Chicago, later moved to Wisconsin with his family. He graduated from Milwaukee Country Day School and did his undergraduate studies at Stanford University. Uh, where he majored, majored in political science. He then earned his law degree at the University of Wisconsin-Madison in 1968. Uh, I was born a year after that. Uh, after serving 10 years in the Wisconsin state legislature, uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner ran for U.S. House seat and was elected in November of 1978, and he has been reelected since 1980. Current committee assignments include serving on the Committee on Science and Technology, Committee on the Judiciary, Congressman Sensenbrenner is, is chairman of the Crime, Terrorism, Homeland Security, and Oversight Subcommittee. Uh, he is also a member of the Subcommittee on Courts, Intellectual Property, Internet, and Subcommittees on Environment and Oversight. He is a former chairman of the Judiciary Committee. As a long-serving committee member, Congressman Sensenbrenner has established a strong record on crime, intellectual property, and constitutional issues. What that says here, Lisa Cliff, as you hear that, he says he's, a, he's strong on crime, but yet he's – now, in most cases, when you find a congressman or a senator that's really – they say tough on crime. Uh, there's not usually a lot of break as far as reform. It's kind of a set, uh, set protocol, if you will, of how they, how they proceed. What is fascinating about Congressman Sensenbrenner, he takes a strong stand on crime, but he is not blind to the issues that faces America. As far as our criminal justice system. That's right. Uh, Cliff, your thoughts on that? I mean, that, that's pretty uh, amazing because that lets you know he's in it for the, for the real deal. Right. And, and you look at his entire career, the fact that he has been voted back in since 1979 tells you one critical thing, that he listens to the people, that he hears what they're feeling, and that he votes in a common sense fashion that says, look, Sure, criminals need to go to go to jail. Sometimes they need to spend years in prison. Uh, and some people have been proven that they cannot be reformed. But that is not the mass majority of the population that are locked up in prisons and jails. And Congressman Sensenbrenner understands that and said, look, we need other programs besides just locking men in a cage and thinking something's going to happen. And what he does... Um, as, as part of who he is as a congressman, is he, he does these surveys every year where he goes out to Wisconsin and he says, hey, take this survey and tell me what's going on. What do you think about the things that are going on in Congress? And one of the major things that he did uh, last year 
he took a survey, and, and this is what was on the survey. It says the U.S. spends $7 billion a year on federal prisons. Do you favor reducing prison time for people convicted of nonviolent crimes and using some of the savings to create a stronger probation system that includes programs for preventing and treating substance abuse? Yeah. The response was overwhelmingly that the voters said yes. Over half of them said yes. Take some of that money that's being used in the federal prison system, spend it on probation system systems, on rehabilitating people, getting them back into society to be better members of society. It shows you that Congressman Sensenbrenner is listening to the people that he votes for. And not only, Cliff, the people that voted for him, the American citizens across the country outside of his state that, that are following what he's doing. We talked about uh, on, a, on a few occasions, well, quite a few occasions on the show, the corruption of judges. Right. People are shying away from speaking out against corrupt judges and holding them accountable. Congressman Sensenbrenner spoke on impeaching a federal judge for his conduct. Let's hear what he had to say. Mr. Speaker. Both the Task Force on Judicial Impeachment and the Full Judiciary Committee unanimously adopted and reported out House Resolution 1031. The overwhelming support for this resolution is indicative of the weight of evidence supporting the four articles of impeachment against Judge G. Thomas Porteous. Impeaching a federal judge is not something that the House of Representatives takes lightly, and impeachment proceedings are not something that we consider too often around here. Uh, by my count, this is only the 20th time that the House of Representatives will impeach a civil officer under the Constitution. And these tasks are not pleasant. But we need to do them from time to time. It is our responsibility as members of the House of Representatives, and I have been involved in a number of impeachment proceedings over the years, but never before have I seen the overwhelming and blatant corruption we have before us here today. Judge Porteous is one of a kind, and it is time for him to receive his comeuppance. The FBI and Justice Department have spent years investigating the wrongdoings by this judge. After their investigation, the Judicial Conference of the United States unanimously voted to refer this matter to the United States House of Representatives. In addition to the Justice Department's investigation, the staff of our impeachment task force conducted a systematic investigation. This investigation resulted in four evidentiary hearings over the course of five days late last year, and it culminated in the full Judiciary Committee unanimously voting to approve four articles of impeachment against Judge Porteous. The impeachment task force hearings laid out overwhelming corruption orchestrated by Judge Porteous. My colleagues on the task force have detailed the specific actions taken by Judge Porteous, but I think it is worthwhile to focus on a few of them. Judge Porteous was engaged in a crooked kickback scheme with his buddies at the law firm of Amato and Freeland. The firm received tens of thousands of dollars in curator fees, and they kicked back about half of it to the judge. The kickback scheme was the only dating dealing Judge Porteous engaged with with Amato and Freeland. He was so emboldened that he would solicit gifts and cash while sitting on the bench. Sometimes he accepted trips. Other days it was an expensive lunch or dinner. On another occasion, Creeley helped pay for the judge's son's bachelor party in Las Vegas. He didn't just solicit from Amato and Creeley, but also from others with business before his court. 
With this information alone, there should be no question about his latent ethical liability rendering him unfit to serve on the federal bench. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Congressman Sensenbrenner, Lisa, what do you say? What do you say about somebody that challenges and not dances around the issue about the actions of a federal judge? He says it's not something they like to do, but they have a responsibility. What is that responsibility? To ensure justice, to make sure that people are held accountable. How many times have we said that on this show? Countless. Countless times. We need more congressmen, Sensenbrenners, don't we? Well, Lamont, we've got to have people who are not afraid to make those hard calls, to make those tough decisions, to reach out there and do things that nobody wants to do. No, they don't want to go against, they don't want to have to bring anything against their own. They don't want to have to question their own and what they're doing. But they have to do that in order to make things run smoothly. If, they, if they're not willing to do that, then you're going to have corruptness taking over the entire system, as it has already started to do. Because there are so few people that are willing to go out there and do what needs to be done, even when it means I'm going to, I have to deal with someone who's on the same side I am. I have to deal with, my, with the people that are doing supposedly the same type of work that I'm doing, that are fighting, supposedly fighting for justice. Yeah. Then you have to go against those people and say, hey, wait a minute, you're not doing this right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you on that. And people aren't willing to do that. They're not willing to call their, uh, their colleagues and other people on the carpet about the wrong that they're doing. Well, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen. Congressman Sensenbrenner made that uh, declaration, if you will, on the House floor, uh, where business is done and laws are enacted and bills are passed. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I am uh, pleasantly moved by the actions of Congressman Sensenbrenner, a no-nonsense champion that has the ability and the guts to stand up for what's right, and to speak the truth, regardless how it sits in a federal court with, with colleagues, judges across the country. Congressman Sensenbrenner is the pure example that he went to Congress to enforce the Constitution and to hold those folks accountable who dare to violate it. We're coming right back, and we're just getting started. It's just getting hot here at AJC Radio. Congressman James Sensenbrenner, a warrior a champion, someone making an impact to make change happen. We're coming right back with you here on AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, highlighting Congressman James Sisson Brenner. Hold on to your seatbelts. We're coming right back. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation. Costs less. It can turn lives around. It's time for 
Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Do you know what this means? Do you? It means you can voice your opinion without censorship or restraint. It means you can say nothing at all. It means you can debate, protest, question, contribute, whenever, wherever. Take it. Embrace it. Say it out loud. more likely to leave your lane. This commercial was 30 seconds. That's all it takes to avoid a senseless tragedy. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill, where we are shining the light on a legend that occupies our nation's capital by the name of Congressman James Simpson Brenner. And I'll tell you right now, as we heard moments ago, Lisa Cliff and William, moments ago, him in support of impeaching a federal judge. And how many people speak to that? How many people are scared to address that? Uh, I'll tell you what. You don't hear that too often anywhere. And my hat's off to the congressman. Wow. Uh, This is a wow moment for me. And, folks, we're just getting started. Cliff, uh, you had a comment in regards to what Sensenbrenner was talking about, uh, and you were referencing something in regard to a law. What was that? Yeah, I was talking about the. The comment that uh, Lisa had made a little bit earlier when she was saying that uh, that he stood alone, you know, during this time where he was going after these federal judges. And uh, she had another piece of that 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 she basically wanted to deal with on on uh, one of his on one of the bills that he that he uh, introduced there on the floor. Yeah, it was on his uh, the bill was the Judicial Transparency and Ethics Enhancement Act. And. As with a lot of our people that we've spotlighted here on Thursday nights on Spotlight on Capitol Hill, we're finding people who are stepping out there and doing things that need to be done without any support. And he did when he he sponsored this bill with no co-sponsors. He pushed it out there because it's something that needs to be done. Uh, the purpose of it, the Judicial Transparency and Ethics Enforcement Enhancement Act, I'm sorry, amends the federal judicial code to establish the Office of Inspector General for the judicial branch of the branch of the U.S. government to be headed by an inspector general appointed by the chief justice. It sets a term of four years, which may be extended by additional reappointments, and authorizes the chief justice to remove an inspector general from office. It requires the office, with with the exception to the Supreme Court, to conduct investigations of alleged misconduct of the judicial branch, to conduct and supervise audits and investigations, and prevent and detect waste, fraud, and abuse. Ladies and gentlemen of America, are you sitting down? Because you may want to take a seat. Because this is something that is, unfortunately, unusually heard, Lisa. Yeah, it is. Not, not, it's, not, it's not something that everybody does. What we're finding with Congressman Sensenbrenner is he holds 
everybody accountable. No matter what seat you hold, he holds you accountable. I think we got a call, and we're going to go more into that. Cliff? Yes, we have a uh, caller. <clears throat> Excuse me. David from uh, from Georgia is on the line, and uh, he has a comment with on this very uh, theme about com- corrupt judges. David, go ahead. You're live. Uh, give us about one minute. Okay, well, listen, um, I'm here in Georgia, and the biggest problem we have right now is the judicial system as far as juvenile court. Um, the courts here are so corrupt that they are appointing their own uh, special advocates. The judges are appointing their own attorneys to represent families. Uh, schools are falsifying reports. Doctors are falsifying reports. Everybody is benefiting off these federal funds on the Title V Act, but the problem is there is no help for anybody in Georgia facing a corrupt uh, judicial system. Uh, the FBI won't investigate. Congressmen here won't listen to you. Uh, attorneys won't take your case when they realize there's corruption. So for the state of Georgia, what can be done for, for people in my situation to get help? Well, go ahead, Cliff. No, I was going to say that, uh, and, and we appreciate your uh, your comment and your question, David, but uh, that's why the first thing that we say that people have to do is you have to get educated on what is going on as far as the laws, uh, not only federal laws, but there in your jurisdiction, you have to you have to know who is your representative and you have to go after it with everything that that is within you. You find out what the law is and then you begin to advocate to change the law if it is not representative of what the people want. I mean, that is why the uh, you know that. America is laid out. The Constitution is laid out. This is laws by the people for the people. So that that's why and that is exactly why we do the spotlight here on Capitol Hill so that it shows here are the members of Congress that are interested and that are active on the type of reform that you're looking for. So what you do, if you have a situation where you say, hey, well, I got, you know, this corrupt judge we're dealing with. Go look at uh, the H.R. 1203 that we just talked about with Congressman Sensenbrenner, where he's looking at judicial transparency and ethics enhancement. Hold the judges accountable. Hold the prosecutors accountable. He is your, uh, what would you call it? He is your advocate for justice in a situation like that because, as you heard the clip, he stands on the uh, on the congressional floor before the senators, before the chair, before the people of America saying we need to hold these judges accountable. We need to do it now. We need to ensure that they take basically, you know, what they they are held accountable with the law, just like the rest of us are. And, uh, and what you can do also, uh, is he still on the line with us? Uh, he he uh, he is. He's on. He's on mute. Do you want to bring him back? Yeah, in? bring him back in okay. for a moment. Are you with us, sir? Yes, you back I'm with still us? here. Okay, David, I'll tell you right now, uh, we're about, uh, again, as Cliff just alluded to, uh, this is a hot topic on Capitol Hill right now. So, the, if you will, the irons are hot. Contact, who is the representative for your, for your district down there in Georgia? For my immediate district, that is a good question. I'm not exactly sure who that would be. I uh, think it's okay. Congressman uh, David Scott, I believe. Okay, what you do it do this. Contact that congressman's office, give him a phone call, research that just to make sure you know who you're dealing with. Make a call to him and let him know, look, this is going on in Georgia. Uh, you were listening to a show on AJC Radio where Congressman Sensenbrenner was attacking corruption in judges and start making some leeway because we have found here on AJC Radio uh you have to continue to fight. 
And if you if if you stay back and don't push as hard as you can, these are the steps you can take, at least in the right direction, uh, to do what's necessary that needs to be done. And we thank you for your call uh, and thank you for your information. Okay. Thank you too. All right. Take care, folks. Bye. And, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you right now that uh, what I was just saying moments ago, William, uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner, there is no phase of government that he will not challenge. There's no phase of government that he will not call on the carpet and ask for an answer. That's and right. that's what we need. He, there was not too long ago, he was dealing with uh, perjury uh, on behalf uh, of the Department of Justice. We're going to go to that in a moment, but Cliff, we have a caller? Yes, we have a, uh, another caller on the line. We have the truth who wants to make a comment uh, about some of these issues. And go ahead, truth, you're live. Yes, and thanks for taking my call. I uh, it was so refreshing tonight to hear from uh from the congressman. I am just overwhelmed. Um I think that it is it's so refreshing to know that somebody recognized the corruption in these judges and these prosecutors. And if if it says anything for all of us is that he is the man to fight for it and to get it done. I mean, he's just not working with Republicans. He's bipartisan all the way. And and you know what it takes? Excuse me. It takes a real leader and a real strong person uh, to be able to convince people that's on the other side. And uh, he's got a lot of things passed. He recognizes the corruption. And I'm so glad to hear that tonight uh, because it means if he's got other things done, he's going to get this done because he truly is a fighter. He is a warrior in every sense of the word, and he is making a determination that he is going to push these things through. When nobody else says anything about it, he does. And I was thinking today uh, with with the RP6, uh, that, that these judges, for the most part, I know Judge Aguayo, uh, the Constitution meant nothing to her because these people feel like they're be they're above the law. That I can I can do you bad in the courtroom with our P six. She never even let them bring in their evidence so the jury could hear it, and 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 whatever the prosecutor wa- wanted, he got. And it ended up with with the jury not getting all the information. And even when they rec- even when they asked, is there any other information? She said no. When she fully knew that all the information was not on the table, nobody can get a fair trial here on one side. But when both sides are on the table, then the jury can make a decision off of, off of the evidence. If the evidence for the IRP six had been allowed into the court, I never heard of nothing in my life. Is that you don't allow evidence in? You got a key witness. I, I, I mean, that's going to make a difference. Explain the uh, the statute agency to the jury, and you said, "I'm not letting you tell the jury that." Everything that they had in their hand to prove they're innocent. The, the prosecutor, at, uh, uh, Matthew Kirsch, and Judge Aguero did everything in their power to be sure that none of the evidence that would prove their innocence would be allowed in the courtroom. I thought that was the most hideous thing I've ever heard. 
You go to court, you present it. No, you present it if the corrupt judge lets it in. And this corrupt judge, Judge O'Grill, wasn't letting these guys have a fighting chance. So the jury never really heard the case. They heard one side of the prosecutor lying on them, tearing them down, Matthew Kirsch, uh, continually tearing them down to the eyes of the jury. Well, all the information they had would have shown any jury that there has not been a crime committed here, but they didn't let it in. So people out there that think because you go to court that if you got evidence, you're good, that doesn't mean one thing if that judge and the prosecutor is in bed together. It doesn't mean nothing. They're going to work together to be sure that you go to prison. I am so glad that this was brought up on the floor. It needed to be done. We prayed a lot of prayers that God, somebody's got to say, look, you're not going to just do American citizens like this, and when they have evidence, let them present their evidence. And, I mean, these, these guys had so much evidence, it was unbelievable. We're not letting it in. You cannot get a fair trial if I can't put my evidence on the table. So how refreshing it is. It just gives us hope and makes you feel so good inside to know that somebody is starting to question corrupt judges and prosecutors. And I know we've got some good judges, and I know we've got some good prosecutors, but our first experience with one was as corrupt as it gets. I only pray and hope that this bill will be passed and that, that, that Judge Aguayo and, 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 and Matthew Kirch, the prosecutor, would at least answer for their actions and what they did to these men to take them away from their families. It is a tragedy. It is, it is the best news I have heard in a long time. And how I admire a, a, a congressman, uh, uh, what he said tonight and, and his strength is, is evident. It is obvious that when he believes in something, he go after and he don't stop until he gets it. My, my hat's off to you, and may God forever bless this man for having the courage to stand up and knowing that this is something, for the most part, most people don't touch. The American people have nowhere to go. If you have a corrupt judge, a corrupt prosecutor, no matter how many uh, how many um, um, motions you file, you got to go back to the same crooked judge who put you in that position to begin with. It is sad. Not like you can step over and say, well, let me ask, uh, could I talk to another judge? Oh, no. Well, if she's a crook, as Judge Aguero was, and a crook like Matthew Kirsch, and another crook that Walsh, the head U.S. attorney up there in that office, would allow such conduct, means it's just crooked all over the place. You didn't have nowhere to go. You did, oh, okay, send in a complaint. They're all friends. They, 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 they're not going to, to, want to accept your complaint. So I am, I tell you, I cannot tell you how happy I am to hear that this congressman has not let anything stop him from reaching out and doing what needs to be done. Because as a mother, as a pastor of a church, uh, uh, all the stuff that they did to go into the church account and, 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 and without a subpoena, go into my account without a subpoena, 
go go into the guy into ten members of our church account without a subpoena, and then tell the judge you can't let him, you cannot let them have a subpoena. There was none. He said, uh, "You just gonna put us on a slippery slope." You know what? Something is badly wrong with that picture, and I pray that somebody's listening tonight that will say, "What is this going on in Denver, Colorado?" We have one attorney. The first attorney that said to us, there's a lot of corruption in the office in Denver. He said, but I can't get nobody to stand with me on it. I can't even remember his name at this point, but he said, but nobody will stand against him. Well, unless somebody stands up for right and say, you're wrong, they will continue to put people in prison, and that's why our prisons are overcrowded. You got corrupt judges and prosecutors that's, that, that's making plea deals with people, and they're intimidated and they're full of fear. So thank God for Congressman Assistenberger for what he has said, what he is, what he the, and the battle he's fighting, and for the envelope for our kids. I mean, he has such a good record, and I think it's high time that we talk about the good things that congressmen are doing and senators, rather than just always talking about where they're failing at. Look, ain't that none of them are perfect, and, and the folks and, and the media stands back the only time they want to report on them for the most part. If they made a mistake, and they'll take you to the cleaners with it. But I thank God for a just cause, giving, uh, 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 being able to let the. Our, our 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 country know that our congressmen and senators are not all bad people. And let us not do that. But dig in there, find out the good that they've done, and let's focus on the good and and the impact it had on the decisions they made. I think it's a great thing. God bless uh, Just Cause and and what you're doing, and and just keep up the good work and keep pushing. God bless. And thank you for that. Uh... I mean, couldn't be uh, spoken better. Uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg, ladies and gentlemen of America. I said moments ago that Congressman Sensenbrenner doesn't care who you are, what seats you hold on Capitol Hill, what elite building that your office may be occupied in. Congressman Sensenbrenner called the Attorney General of the United States on the carpet because there were some things that just didn't seem quite right. That's what he had to say. Thank you very much, Mr. Attorney General, and thank you for coming here. Uh, I'd like to ask you a series of questions about uh, the perjury, which I believe that the Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper, uh, gave to the Senate. Uh, the U.S. Attorney's Manual specifically permits disclosure of information concerning ongoing investigations, quote, in matters that have already received substantial publicity. Now, Director Clapper's perjury, in my opinion, has been covered extensively, and I have articles from the New Yorker, the Washington Post, Guardian, Salon, the Washington Times, and the Huffington Post. In light of this, are you willing to discuss whether or not uh, the Justice Department is investigating uh, Director Clapper for his statements before the Senate? Uh, I think that we received a letter from you, um, Mr. Sensenbrenner, and I think as we explained in our response to your letter, I'm really not in a position to confirm what the department is investigating um, any particular matter, uh, but we, re we are reviewing the material that, um, that you and other members of the committee have provided to us, and I can assure you that we will take any action that is, uh, that is appropriate. Well, uh, 
the first letter I sent you was several months ago, and yes, we have received a, a, a response to that. I sent you another letter last week uh, clarifying this. So let me refresh your memory. Um, Senator Wyden asked Director Clapper whether the NSA was collecting data about millions of Americans. Uh, Mr. Clapper said, no, sir, not wittingly. Now, Senator Wyden uh, advised the director the day before the hearing that he was going to ask this question. And after Director Clapper responded in the manner that he did, Senator Wyden gave him a chance to correct his testimony, which he refused to do. And then Mr. Clapper uh, told the media uh, that he gave the quote, least untruthful answer, unquote. Now, I think we all know that lying to Congress is a federal offense, and the only way Congress, and for that matter, the courts can be able to do their job is to get truthful testimony and then apply the facts and apply the law. Now, my understanding of the offense of perjury is that it was made under oath, which it was. It was knowingly false, which Director Clapper admitted, even after he was given a chance to change the testimony, and is also material to a government investigation, which I would assume includes an investigation that's being made by Congress. Do you personally believe that Mr. Clapper's testimony fits this description? Well, as I indicated, um, we're not in a position to confirm um, whether the department's investigating any particular matter, but as I said also, we will take into account in making any determinations that we make the material that you have submitted to us. Is there any circumstance that you would prosecute a member of the administration for lying under oath to Congress? Sure. What would that be? The person lied and the determination was made that all of the other legal requirements of the perjury statute um, were met. Well, Director Clapper has admitted that he's lied, and I outlined uh, the uh, elements to uh, convict someone of perjury. And I'll remind you, it's being made under oath, was knowingly false, and is material to a government investigation. Now, if you want to delay this or sweep this under the, the carpet, uh, wouldn't it be pointless for Congress to pass new law limiting data collection if the Justice Department are at liberty and other officials are at liberty to lie about enforcing them? Well, there you have it. Uh, Cliff, we're all sitting back uh, <laughs> a little bit awestruck. Well, because, I mean, <clears throat> that's what I'm talking about. But, but... It, when, when you think about it, sure, we've all heard about uh, former Attorney General Eric Holder being called on the carpet about many things. I mean, he's called on the carpet about the, uh, you know, Fast and Furious, the guns that were uh, released to to the uh, Mexican drug cartel and end up killing some federal officers with those. We've heard him be brought on the carpet and ask questions, and he come up with these arbitrary answers that where he's basically walking around. But <laughs> to sit there in front of Congress, and he said he's all of the penance of lying under, I mean, perjuring yourself to Congress have been met. And what is his answer? And when you think about, okay, this is the Attorney General of the United States of America, and <laughs> Congressman Sensenbrenner holds no punches. He's like, I don't care who you are. You lied to Congress. 
your you should be held accountable. Give us, give the American people, that is his basic message. Congressman Simpson's Brenner's basic message. Give the American people an answer about how it is that one of your attorneys can lie under oath to Congress and you don't have a problem with and that. Give us an answer. And admit and admit it to lie. His I mean his point is so well taken that how does Congress come up with new laws and say that we want to protect the American people but then the yeah, the yeah. Justice well, Department can lie about breaking the law and they get no accountability. That's what we're talking about. There should be accountability absolutely. across the board and absolutely Congressman right. Sensenbrenner we got to tip your hat to you on that one. That well, man. Well, I, I hate, I hate the the the. I can't confirm nor deny <laughs> that, that I lie. that I'm on the air right now. I cannot confirm or deny that I'm sitting in this chair right now. Well, and then he led him to that, saying, well, "Okay." Well, 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 I'll tell you this, folks, uh, ladies and gentlemen of America, and those that may be taking a position to to break the law. No matter what your position is, I believe you're entering the lion's den when it comes to Congressman Sensenbrenner. I'll tell you what, Congressman Sensenbrenner did not stop there. There was another issue that the Department of Justice refused to deal with, to talk in circles. Folks, we're talking about a champion. This is who we need in Washington. And to every citizen of Wisconsin, I want to tell you, you got it right. With Congressman Sensenbrenner, listen, Congressman Sensenbrenner asked Eric, Attorney General Eric Holder again about an issue that looks like a cover-up. Let's see what he had to say. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Holder, uh, I, I deeply appreciate your coming here to talk largely about Fast and Furious. And the way this has been handled within the Justice Department I think has put the Justice Department as an institution under a cloud that has not been exceeded since the infamous COINTELPRO scandal of the 1970s. And uh, you're at the top of the Justice Department. Do you think the buck stops with you? I'm ultimately responsible for all of the actions that occur um, within the department. But I think as you look at what happened with regard to Fast and Furious and try to decide uh, what kind of performance uh, I have um, done in this regard. I think you have to look at what happened, uh, what I did once I learned of these matters. Well, that's, that's a, you know, a question of, of when you learned it, because uh, there have been inconsistent submissions to Congress. You, know, you yourself testified that uh, uh, you'd only heard about it a few weeks earlier, and then in November you said it probably was a few months. Um, as late as October 7th, in response to allegations that you lied on May 3rd, you wrote to Congress, your statements on Fast and Furious have been, quote, truthful and consistent. And then your underlings on February 4th, Assistant AG Ronald Weitz responded to Senator Grassley denying that the ATF had walked guns, and that letter ended up being withdrawn. Um, you know, as Mr. Issa has said, um, uh, lying to Congress is a federal felony. Um, you know, I don't want to say that you have committed a felony, Mr. Attorney General, but obviously there have been statements so misleading that a letter had to be withdrawn. 
Uh, I think that some heads should roll, and I do agree with Senator Grassley that uh, Assistant Attorney General for the Criminal Division, Lanny Breuer, uh, should be fired. Uh, and I know that that decision is not yours, but it is the President's. But I think that merely getting the head of uh, the ATF director at the time is not sufficient since it's obvious uh, that there was knowledge within the Justice Department. What are you going to do to clean up this mess? Well, first let me make something very clear, um, and in response to an assertion that you made or hinted at, uh, nobody in the Justice Department has lied. Nobody Why was the letter withdrawn? The letter was withdrawn because there's information in there that was um, inaccurate. The Justice Department letter of February... Okay, well, tell, tell me what's the difference between lying and misleading Congress in this context? Well, it, uh, if you want to have this legal art uh, conversation, it all has to do with your state of mind and whether or not you had the requisite intent to come up with something that can be considered perjury or a lie. The information that was provided in that February 4th letter was gleaned by the people who drafted the letter after they interacted with people who they thought were in the best position well, to have the information. Okay. Now, now the, wag the wagons down the street are in a pretty tight circle, uh, you know, Mr. Attorney General. The American people need the truth. Uh, they haven't gotten the truth from what has been coming out of the Justice Department in the last year, and they were relying on Congress to get the truth. Now, you're here today, and again, I appreciate your being here today as a way to get the truth. Uh, but the answers that you have given uh, so far uh, uh, are basically saying, well, gee, somebody else did it. And, you know, there, there is really no responsibility within the Justice Department. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that if, if we don't get to the bottom of this, and that requires your uh, assistance on that, there is only one alternative that Congress has. And it's called impeachment, where our uh, uh, subpoena powers are plenary, and there can't be any type of illegal... Uh, um, uh, uh, immunity or privilege that can be uh, uh, asserted on that. Sensenbrenner 2016. Sensenbrenner 2016. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of America, if you're wondering what's going on at AJC Radio, a revolution has started with a champion and a tiger on Capitol Hill by the name of Congressman James Sensenbrenner. Folks, I don't. I haven't heard it any better than this. Lisa, Cliff, <laughs> William, what are we going to do, man, to get Mister Sensenbrenner, Congressman Sensenbrenner, in the Oval Office? I'm telling you, he the one of the key things. I mean, in that just oh, he just he broke Holder down like a folding chair on that one. But one of the key things that he said is the American people need the truth, and they're relying on Congress to get that truth from you. And then he just told him, hey. If you don't come up with the truth, we're going to start impeaching people. That is the type of that is the type of lion, the wolf, the tiger, the bear, whatever type of of uh, ferocious, real animal that's ready to to do work. That's who we need in Congress. Somebody who says the American people are relying on me to ensure that you do your job, you do it properly, and you're held accountable. Since Brenner sixteen. Well, well, I'll tell you right now, folks. The only thing I know that's tough that you can eat is beef jerky. Go get you a bag tonight because it's going to get tougher here on AJC Radio. And I'll tell you what, we're just getting started and we're coming approaching 
It seems like we just sat down, doesn't it? It does. It and does. we haven't begun to shot the light on, on Congressman James Simpson Brenner. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are wondering why we are excited, why we are optimistic, why we believe something is getting ready to change in the United States of America, and it happens in our nation's capital, on Capitol Hill, and it starts in the office of Congressman James Simpson Brenner. Folks, hang on to your seats. Grab you a cup of coffee, maybe some cappuccino. Perhaps some hot chocolate may be a little cooler in your neck of the woods at this time of the year. But we're coming back to heat it up a little bit more on AJC Radio. This is Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. We're coming right back at you. something you ever wanted to do as a child, be an astronaut, be a doctor, I always wanted to be a police officer. And there's a strong sense of pride in being a police officer. You know, not just all that, just to stop people from the heck of it. It's just not much about what. We know more want to accuse someone or charge somebody with a crime that they didn't do any more than they want to be charged with it. So uh, we take that responsibility, especially with sexual assaults, very seriously. I think my greatest fear uh, one of the greatest fears that many investigators experience is, is uh, convicting the wrong person. As police officers, one of the things that we're always very concerned about is uh, the potential that we have for putting an innocent person into jail if we do not do our job properly. The end product for us is to know that we did our job properly and that justice is being done, being done being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Secretary, thank you for coming here. When President Bush left office, the average price of gas was $1.85. Now it's at $3.65 and going up. 
a doubling of gas prices under the Obama administration's watch. Uh, the President has said that he is going to look for every single area we can make an impact and help consumers in the month ahead. Uh, he said yesterday in another congressional hearing, in answer to a question by Congressman Nunley, whether your overall goal was to lower the price of gasoline, and you said no. Now, uh, I somewhat want to expand on the chairman's statement that uh, non or energy states are being punished. I think all American consumers are being punished. And as the price of gas goes up, money that can be invested in our already fragile economy is taken out of consumers' pockets. Did you you want to retract what you said yesterday and help everybody working on at least slowing this spike in the price of gas and then lowering it? We very much want to uh, not only slow the price, but reverse the price of increasing gasoline. If one reads my entire statement, uh, it was very consistent with that. Uh, as I said in my opening remarks, we definitely feel the pain that every American and every business feels when the price of gasoline goes up. And goes. We have been focused in my time as Secretary of Energy and the President's time since taking office on trying to first do what we can with the tools we have available uh, um, to decrease the prices. And the tools we have available in the Department of Energy are that we uh, want to diversify our energy supplies because well, we want to increase the production of oil okay. and gas, but also oh, okay. okay, but you know, meanwhile, the price of gas has gone up by 100% on your watch, and this is unacceptable. And I remember four years ago, um, the president and some of his supporters were complaining about the price of gas going up in the, in the, uh, the Bush administration. Uh, before you got your present job, you made a statement that you wanted to see the price of gas reach the prices that exist in Europe. Um, and those are somewhere between 7 and $9 a gallon, depending upon what country you're in. Can you retract that statement now, or is that still your goal and the goal of the administration? That is not our, my goal, but let me... Well, then will you retract the statement? Folks, you can run, <laughs> but you can't hide. Well, you know what, what, what is so refreshing about Congressman that he's just straightforward. This is... He's, he's not asking anything. I mean, it may be difficult for them to an answer, but this is no trick question. He's like, look, you made a statement you want gas to be $7. Do you stand by that statement, or do you want to retract it and say that you lied? What do you want to do? What is your statement today? And what they do, they're walking around. It's like, no, just give me a simple yes or no answer. That's all he's asking. Well, me. I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is the necessary tool. To oh, fix the nation. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I'm sitting back here. Folks, you can't see the studio, but I'll tell you what. Faces are lit up. We're like, man, what is go what in the world is going on? I heard that on one other occasion. And that's when Michael Jordan was playing against the Portland Trailblazers and couldn't, <laughs> couldn't miss a shot. And they said, what in the world is going on? Well, I'll tell you what tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Congressman Simpson reach reaches that level. Well, I tell you what, the thing I love about all those clips is like he doesn't get frustrated with a one of them. No. He, know, he knows that they're lying to him. He says, I'm going to take you to the fire and I'm going to hold your feet right there, as polite as can be. 
And it was it's just hilarious to hear each one of them just trying well, to line step around. But I tell you what, all the, the, the laughter and all that aside, this is the seriousness of Washington. This is the seriousness that change has to come. It doesn't come any other way but the truth. And calling people in question, Congressman Rangel said it. Ask the questions. They're tough. Ask the questions. Get the answers. Seek the questions. Seek the answers out and continue to do that. Lisa, Congressman Sensenbrenner doesn't stop there. There's some other issues. Uh, I believe he has the Protecting the Homeland Freedom Act uh, that he's a part of. He's a part of also uh, uh, the Private, uh, uh, Private Priority Property Protection Act, protecting folks' properties. Uh, from invasion and all kind of nonsense and injustices. Ladies and gentlemen of America, injustices have many faces. They have many different looks. And it, it, it affects every part of our life, whether it's your home, whether it's prison reform, whether it's, you know, like, like, like uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner is alluding to, the situation with the gas, our energy, everything that makes us function in America he is addressing, but he's calling people in question. And he absolutely is. I mean, even if you look at this U.S. Freedom Act, I mean, this right here is putting it into bulk collection of increase and increasing the transparency of foreign intelligence surveillance courts. And I mean, he's so he's basically just pulling all this thing, all these things in. No abuse, calling things in question, saying why. He's asking the hard questions, and he's looking for the right answers. He's looking for the answers or looking for an end. Well, he made a statement. He said the American people want the truth. That's right. What, well, America has become fed up with Washington. Too much lying going on. Absolutely. We're finding on Spotlight on Capitol Hill, whether you believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, and whether you go by the polls or the approval rating of Congress, we, we uh, beg to differ on those numbers. In the last, since the beginning, Lisa, of Spotlight on Capitol Hill, we have found a contradiction to that assessment. Have we not? Oh, yes, absolutely we have. And that assessment is about one thing. People in Congress, Congressman Sensenbrenner, tonight, if he hasn't opened your eyes to any other fact, the fact is this. Congress has, is starting to make, no matter what branch of government you're, you're in or what part of the administration that you may be a part of, it takes Working together and accountability, accountability, accountability. Congressman Sensenbrenner, with protecting the Homeland Freedom Act, he takes another step, as the caller alluded to. Protect, number one, he's protecting our kids with the, uh, uh, with the Amber Alert, you know, the Amber system that's in place. He's doing things, again, this, these are things that belong in the foundation of America. The found, if the foundation is weak... America we crumble. crumbles. We absolutely crumble. And, and <clears throat> no, I was just going to say when you when you look at it, there is no political posturing with Congressman Sensenbrenner. There's no let's step around the issues. Let's see if if, if it's going to apply to the Republicans or it's going to reply to the Democrats. Let's let's make it smooth and easy for one party or the other. It goes back to his statement: the American people need the truth, and they're dependent on Congress. To, to get to that, get truth, that truth. truth. And he, 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 he's all about it. And uh, as we alluded to earlier, William, the Protection the Homeland Freedom Act. Very passionate about that. Let's hear what he had to say. Well, the Senate is going to have a vote. And I hope that they pass the Freedom Act unamended 
and send it to the president for his signature, which will happen because the president has repeatedly stated he supports this bipartisan compromise, which was overwhelmingly approved by the House. If the uh, Senate makes changes, it has to go back to the House. You then have to review it. It has to pass the House again. Uh, you could be going back and forth in a House-Senate conference committee. You think that's likely? Well, I hope it isn't likely. Uh, uh, there are some authorities that uh, the uh, security people and intelligence people need. And it's not just uh, cutting back on what type of surveillance is needed, but we also have got to reinstate the lone wolf terrorist provisions and the court-ordered roving wiretap uh, provisions, uh, which also expire. Uh, together with my other House sponsors, uh, we did send a statement out that said that all three of the proposed Senate amendments are poison pills. And if the Senate wants to uh, have the bill bounce back and forth or a further delay with the conference committee, then very important uh, provisions of this law uh, will end up not being implemented. And I think that would make the American public more vulnerable. And there you have it. Uh, Congressman Sinsenbrenner talking about the U.S. Freedom Act, William, we were just discussing. Uh, and I'll tell you what, it says shortly after the attacks of September 11th, Congressman Sensenbrenner introduced the Patriot Act in the House as a method to help keep America safe by enhancing the tools of law enforcement and officials that they could use to avoid another terrorist attack. Following the revelations of the National Security Agency's bulk collection of data and the misinterpretation of Section 215 of the Patriot Act, uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner authored the U.S. Freedom Act bipartisan legislation to rein in abuse, to put an end to bulk collection, increase the transparency of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, and ensure the proper balance between national security and privacy was struck. Uh, what do you say to that? I, I mean, mean, he's, wow. He's, I mean, he's amazing. I mean, he sit here and he, he authored the first act. That protected us after 9-11. Then he comes back and he says, he looks at this right here. I mean, this, this right here is, is phenomenal. But the bulk collection, the bulk collection of information, uh, it, it's, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. This, this is a champion. He is a champion. Well, I'll tell you what, like most champions, you can't document all that's going on in, in a book. You don't have the book here. We, Lisa, as I sit here tonight, Lisa Cliff William, we will have to come back part two of Congressman Sensenbrenner. Oh, yeah. We have just scratched the surface. Yes, absolutely. Of, of who, but I'll tell you what, I sent a warning alert tonight to those that choose to trample the Constitution under their feet. Beware of the lion's den, and I can tell you who occupies that den. It's Congressman James Sensenbrenner, and he's going to make you answer. He'll make you pay. We're coming back uh, again, Lisa. I'm, we're totally overwhelmed. William, you look starstruck. Cliff looks in a daze. Uh, we're just, what's, what in the world, I'll say it again, what in the world is going on in Washington? And we, what we're saying, there's some big stuff happening. Uh, right now, Congressman Sensenbrenner, we salute you tonight. We, hopefully we've done a good service. And again, we haven't scratched the surface of this champion, but we will be back to visit him down the road, Lisa. You can never get it all in in one show. There's just no way. No it way. feels like I just sat down. And, folks, that's not uh, five-hour energy. It's not Red Bull. 
It's patriotic juices flowing at AJC Radio. And uh, we thank you tonight uh, uh, for uh, Congressman Sensenbrenner for allowing us to highlight just a touch of what's going on. Awesome. So right now uh, we're going to come back to that. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. And, uh, again, Congressman Sensenbrenner has, has opened our eyes clearly, Lisa, I think, to all of America and uh, it's been a good time. Folks, feel free to go to the AJCRadio.com. You can see the, hear the archive of this program, AJCRadio.com. Also, you can uh, visit us, uh, follow us on Facebook. Is that the right? Or is it follow us on Twitter? Follow us, yeah, follow follow us on Twitter. Uh, like, like us on like, Twitter. Okay, folks, I'm a little starstruck, a little dazed from a champion that's impressed me tonight. Uh, you heard the word, so just look for us on social media. <laughs> we'll leave that at that. And uh, we appreciate it. Cliff. Yes, I want to say thank you to everyone in the chat room. You guys blew it up tonight. Thank you for your uh, support and comments of Congressman Sensenbrenner. Also to the callers, we thank you for calling in for your comments and questions. Um, we appreciate that as well. Also to our production team, to our production team, K&D Productions, Captain Kyle and Dustin Jackson helping out Ill Skillers Girl in the control room, making sure you hear what it is that we have to say. Also to our production support team, they give us accurate and up-to-date information so we can pass that on to you. And to the truth, we know you're out there. We appreciate it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, without question, this show and all shows dedicated to the RP6 wrongfully convicted patriots of America. They are David Banks, Gary Walker, Demetrius Harper, Dave Zapolo, and Clinton Stewart, and Kendrick Barnes. They, we appreciate that tonight. This show dedicated to them, but someone is responsible for the wrongful conviction but I think Congressman Sensenbrenner may be on the lookout for these perpetrators of justice. Lisa, who are they? We've got U.S. Attorney John Walsh. We've got Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney General, I'm sorry, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI agent John Smith, FBI agent Robert Moen, former federal agent John Epke, former federal agent Gary Hilberry, attorney Thomas Goodread, attorney Clifford Barnard, attorney Thomas Richard, attorney Robert Berger, attorney Mitchell Baker, attorney Boston Stanton Jr., Jr. attorney Rick Cornfield, attorney Mark Garrigo, uh, Susan Holland, of ETI professionals, and also Samuel K. Thurman, who was a traitor to these men who lied to prosecutors to ensure that their conviction, who was supposed to be a friend and turned out not to be one. Uh, and that ends the list there, Lamont. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, what do you say? I'd be a little nervous tonight. Uh, if I was a perpetrator of justice, we found a warrior, and we I'll tell you his name is Congressman James Simpson Brenner. You better look out, look in your rearview mirror. Justice is on the way. Join us next Thursday, Spotlight on Capitol Hill. And America, joy, tell your friends, go to work, say, man, you got to get home and listen to AJC Radio Spotlight because some things are happening in America. Take care. Tuck in, tuck in the kids. Get a good night's sleep. We're coming back next Tuesday. We'll see you then. This is Spotlight, Congressman. James Congressman James. 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 <laughs> uh, we thank you. We salute you tonight. A champion of America. Take care. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, 
that you would take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations. You're now members of the 101 uh, Thank you very much, Madam Chair. I rise in strong support of the Amash Amendment, and I do so as the person who is the principal author of the Patriot Act in 2001, who got that law through quickly after 9-11, and who supported and managed the 2006 reauthorization. Let me make this perfectly clear that unlike what we've heard from speakers on the other side of this issue, this amendment does not stop the collection of data under Section 215 to people who are subject to an investigation of an authorized terrorist plot. What it does do is prevent the collection of people who are not subject to an investigation. Now, relevance is required in any type of a grand jury subpoena or a criminal uh, a collection of data for a criminal trial. This goes far beyond that and what the NSA is doing. The time has come to stop it, and the way we stop it is to approve this amendment. Thank you very much, Robert, and thanks to all of you for coming. Uh, I want to thank EEI for hosting this event on such an important and timely topic, criminal justice reform. In recent months, we have seen a number of members of Congress and organizations from across the political spectrum come together and recognize that our judicial system is flawed. Too many of our prisons are clogged with nonviolent offenders who are serving excessively lengthy sentences. Facilities are well beyond capacity in dollars a year. Meanwhile, Congress continues to steadily increase the skies and scope of the federal criminal code. This does our country a great disservice. Beginning in the spring of 2013, I chaired the House Judiciary Committee's Overcriminalization Task Force. Over the course of a year and a half, the task force thoroughly examined issues relating to the scope of mass incarceration, the dramatic growth of the federal criminal code, and evidence-based programs for reform. We heard from groups and organizations as diverse as the Families Against Mandatory Minimums, Right on Crime, Heritage Foundation, and the ACLU, an eclectic bunch of any. Uh, and all of them recognized the need to respond to reduce the size and cost of federal corrections policy. Over the past three decades, America's federal prison population has more than quadrupled. Prison spending has increased by 595%, a staggering figure that is both irresponsible and unsustainable. And yet this increased spending has not yielded results. More than 40% of released offenders return to prison within three years of release, then in some states, recidivism rates are closer to 60%. Several studies have found that at a certain point, high incarceration rates become ineffective and actually cause the crime rate to go up. 